Hi again, everybody. Welcome into another edition. This is Cross Functionality, the show, the podcast, connecting coaching, baseball, softball, male, female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. Hey, thanks for joining us on the audio side, Apple, Google, Spotify. We're also on iHeart and TuneIn, Pandora as well. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review. We'd appreciate that. And you can watch the show too on YouTube on the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page. All right. Episode 32 today. Gizmos and gadgets in hitting surrounding baseball and softball. So let me bring in my friend and co-host, softball national champion at the University of Alabama and current day renowned coach, Cassie Riley Bosha. What's up, champ? Thanks, Jim. All is well. How about you? Sing you a new open. I, I've been a little lackluster the last few weeks with my opening for both you and Jake on the Lab Epstein Hitter podcast. <laughs> so I decided to add a little soundtrack this week. Nice. Very nice. This is an exciting topic, gizmos and gadgets and hitting. You said something last week, by the way, at the end of the episode, episode 31, that made me laugh. I listened back to that episode during the week and made me laugh at what you said when you talked about how all this technology – People are forgetting one thing, that it costs a lot of money. All this technology you're going to talk about today for coaches and academies and for teams and mm-hmm. college teams, it costs a lot of money. It's not it's not as easy as just snap of the fingers and saying, hey, I want that piece of technology. Right, right. <laughs> and that's something you'll always have to weigh is uh, cost and the reward, right? What is this going to benefit myself as a coach, my athletes, enough to justify the cost. <laughs> right, right, right. And we're going to talk today about Blast Motion, Diamond Kinetics, Oculus 3D, which I, I've done some research on. And I really like the 3D part. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of interesting questions I want to ask you to today as it pertains to technology and how we can utilize that technology. But it is interesting. Nobody talks about at all about the price of, of mm. all the things I just mentioned. What is the most expensive, by the way? Is it Blast? It would be I no, think probably Diamond Kinetics, right? Uh, no, it'll be Oculus because that's virtual reality and there's a lot of pieces of equipment involved. No. So TrackMan is okay. I think Do you use TrackMan? We have it for pitching. Okay. Um, and then, okay. so I think what's different is um, there's like a, I think it's just really, I don't know if the equipment is different, but I think the way you use the equipment and the software that you use is different um, for hitting, but we te- we use it way more for our pitchers. We get a lot more information that's pertinent for our company and for our athletes. Um, but I think that one is going to be the most expensive. Right. And then there's a lot of thousands, whereas the other ones are just in the (laughs) the hundreds. (laughs) And then there's the Hawkeye, right? That's very similar to track man. Correct. I've yes. not I've not had much experience with Hawkeye. I'm assuming it's pretty much the same thing. Maybe it's more a little more inexpensive. I I actually don't know. I I don't have I as much experience either. with with that. Um, but certainly for people who are working a little bit larger scale and you're having to get information and collect data, very fine tuned data on um, multiple athletes, I think their software does a very good job uh, with that. And then. Uh, you know, you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting the input from the pitcher and then also what happens after contact gets made. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're starting to try to piece together both uh, like the react, the, what was needed to make that reaction happen. So, all right, let me ask you um, as we get into today's topic. And I do want to mention, I mentioned Jake Epstein joined Jake and I every Monday, 9 a.m. The Lab Epstein hitting podcast. This week, we did another edition of Overrated Underrated, measuring the importance of hitting topics and fundamentals alike. That's the cool. Lab Epstein hitting podcast, episode 134. Again, new episodes every Monday, 9 a.m. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, do a little cross promotion on cross functionality. <laughs> what is the most overrated aspect of hitting 
what is the most underrated aspect of hitting? Mind you, you can't say technology. That's not fair. That's cheating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think most overrated is, I almost want to say like perfecting swing mechanics. Um, okay. And underrated is competition in the box. Okay. Like competitive so, mindset in the box. So what is the most overrated fundamental in your mm -hmm. eyes? Hmm. Um, maybe like, um, okay. I'm going to say separation with a grain of salt here. Cause right. I think everyone thinks you should have this massive hip shoulder separation when you really just need to have it at the perfect time. And so people will hone in and be like, well, you really need to get your hips rotated way more. You really need to get this uh, femoral internal rotation going way more when it's like, well, you kind of just have to get it like perfect timing. You don't need to get this massive piece of it. So I'm going to say separation, I guess, even though I so think it's potentially one of the most important things. It's just the way it's viewed, I think, is very overrated. So you think one of the more underrated aspects of hitting probably is timing. Yes. Nobody ever talks about timing. Good. <laughs> Everybody seems to forget about that all the time. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. You have some people who just naturally time it up. Mechanics on mechanics. <laughs> yeah, it's mechanics on on Twitter and Instagram, and nobody ever talks about timing. Having great timing, why some of these hitters are some of the best because they have great timing. Mm. Mechanics, I think, come into play when you don't have the greatest timing, and you're out in front or something like that, or you're late on a pitch on the inner half, and you have to muscle it out to right center if you're a right-handed batter. That's where I think good mechanics come into play. Could be wrong. No, I mean, wrong before. if you've played the game, like how many times have you been like, man, that felt really off. And then you went and you look back to your swing and you're like, well, my swing didn't really look that off. Right, <laughs> why, right. Why did it feel so <laughs> off? You know what I mean? So I, I do think, um, yeah, if you, you know, I, I, I ask every single hitter that I've ever worked with, would you rather have a perfect swing, but you lack the ability to time up the ball? Or would you rather have a swing with flaws with this impeccable timing? And every single time they're like, oh, no, 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 I want the timing. I'm like, great. Let's not work on your perfect top hand position for the outside pitch right now. <laughs> yes. It makes your job as a coach a lot easier. Right. Overrated, underrated, episode 134 this I week. I like it. If you, yeah. If you haven't, we can do it on this program if you'd like to. Um, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, Apple, Google, Spotify, and watch the show on YouTube, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast YouTube page. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, let's get into our topic today, episode 32 of Cross Functionality, when we talk about gizmos and gadgets of hitting technology involved with baseball and softball, involved with, uh, by the way, how much has the technology taken over in softball? Uh, as much as it's, it's, it's not baseball. as much as baseball, yeah, it's right. definitely not as much as baseball. But um, you, see, I, I, I'm, I was in the same boat, but I don't think I am anymore. Where I wanted it to take over more, mm -hmm. I wanted so badly to have like a metric profile of like elite hitters, and but it's just it's not there, and it's not there for a reason. It's there will be things I think that bridge this gap, but right now it's very. Uh, I think you're still getting people who say, okay, well, wait a second. I got girls with mediocre numbers on here, but they're my best hitter. What, why is this not adding up? Yeah, right. And you, you and I were talking before we started mm -hmm. recording about the bat speed, about someone's bat speed and how they the metrics don't add up, but then – vice versa too with bat quickness and yeah i you know i really i was trying yeah i was trying to find it on twitter because i really wanted to display the information and i saw it a while ago and i saved it and i couldn't track it down but it was essentially showcasing this the bat profile so bat speed bat quickness um yeah. 
angle into the into the zone, angle out of the zone um, of of an individual, and how it was these like the perfect metrics you could have wanted, um, but the outcomes were very low. It was not someone who performed very well come game time. And then you saw this next set of data that was considered mediocre uh, bat metrics, but it was Mookie Betts, and you're like, which batter are you taking? Which one would you rather on your team? So I guess that's, you know, there's so much more to hitting than just the swing. Um, it's kind of like saying, you know, a running back just needs to be fast. Um, so I think it is a big component and it matters, but it's not the end all be all, obviously. Um, speaking of softball, there's got to be all the programs, though, out there, the big time programs mm -hmm. that have this type of technology. Like they probably have TrackMan. I think so. I think we, you know, let's text Murph and ask him right now. Rap Soto Trackman, I think, is way bigger in baseball right now. Um, yeah. I don't know if they have the same like Rap Soto has two different technologies, one for baseball, one for softball. I'm not hundred percent sure if Trackman has the softball component. They they might, and I'm I really apologize if I'm misspeaking, but I remember there had to be different um softwares or different pieces of technology for each. Um so Here's the thing with technology in, in college sports or college softball, college, at least what I've witnessed, is you have coaches who are been coaching for many years. They're very good at recruiting. They're very good at keeping their team together. They're very good at, you know, teaching certain things, but they've been coaching for 10, 15, 20 years, and they have all this on their plate, and it's a big learning curve to bring in new technology. And now it's sure. like, okay, well – how do we use it? Great. We have these numbers. Now, what do we do now? Um, so what you're starting to see, I think, is uh, volunteer assistants or player development coaches. They're starting to find ways, maybe not exactly hiring someone on staff or having managers with software backgrounds. And, you know, I think the University of Iowa baseball team has some of the best managers and they were all like software guys and they would run all these different uh, like spreadsheets through different algorithms to just try to get numbers to try to help the coaches out. You know what I mean? Cause coaches aren't going to be sitting there running all these numbers and knowing what, what exactly they mean and how they can actually then coach their athletes. So you want to make sure it doesn't become a, a distraction and just an expensive thing that sits in the corner. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, so what point I was going to make about softball too. Uh, I don't know if you saw the rankings this week. I did mm -hmm. so on Twitter, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, number one, number two. Oklahoma yeah. is always good, by the way, in softball. They've been on this, like, 10-year streak of just crushing, yeah. obliterating people. Yeah. They are fun to watch, for sure. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what was it like playing against them? I, I have to ask you, because it, it just seems it, was, it would be like they're one of the more intimidating programs in the country. <laughs> yeah. No, they were. And it, it, funny enough, so when we went to play, <laughs> I remember we played Oklahoma in Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. So we showed up to the game and it looked like it was a sea of crimson because our colors were so similar. And then yeah. you'd hear the cheer for them. And I was like, Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they probably sell out every, every game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I Pretty mean, oh, well, the Oklahoma where the world series is, is like 20 minutes away from their campus. Um, right. So at the final game of the season, it, it poured and they had this three hour rain delay and it really cleared out a lot of the stands. And I think that probably helped us a little bit, not having such a skewed <laughs> fan, fan base yeah. at a disadvantage. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. But you know, they were, it, we played them 11 years ago, obviously. And, and I, they were just uh, such a powerhouse. They weren't ranked number one though in the country. Um, I think they were three or four. Yeah. So they weren't as dominant as what we see now, but shoot, since 2013 on, they've just been, nobody stands in their way. 
Well, they're the second week in a row that they're ranked number one. You mentioned they sell out every game. So there is a program. Speaking of, uh, I mean, look, NCAA tournament going on right now with basketball. A lot of those teams that make it, like Furman, for example, their baseball program might get a little bit of a boost. Softball program, boost in money because mm-hmm. the tournament bringing in all that money from basketball. Oklahoma, they pay the softball team. They have to pay for themselves. Um, because they're so they've been so successful, they sell out. They probably have they don't have to need any help from anybody else in the athletic department, money wise. They can buy the technology if they want it themselves because they've yeah. had so much success in the last day. I think, and you know what? I think um, they they ran some promotion last year where it was either the booster club or is it? I have to look into it. Essentially, anytime that team hit a home run, it was a company donating money towards their new stadium that they're going to get. And so, yeah. of course, Oklahoma had the. Uh, home run leader last year so they were just yeah they're entertaining to watch and it's it makes you wonder like what are they doing differently with hitting that everyone else is missing um but i i do remember watching their uh assistant coach who their hitting coaches uh present um gosh this is like six seven years ago now how they use diamond kinetics and how they implement technology to just help adds that feedback system for the athlete but how it's really not the end all be all and how important approaches and how important having a plan is and you know it was just it was refreshing i guess it was more of like all right (laughs) i'm on the right track with my thought process yeah they they develop a really good culture too for sure Mm-hmm. It's easier. I, I feel like sometimes I don't, I'm, I'm talking out my butt here, so I apologize. But if, <laughs> I feel like a lot of times in college, it's easier to create a culture rather than in professional sports. It's a lot harder to do. Like Nick Saban's created a culture. That thing is bulletproof. He could leave tomorrow and for the next probably five to seven years, whoever the new coach is, they could still be a really good program. I mean, look at Ryan Day. Nothing to take away. Nothing. Not trying to take away anything from him from Ohio, uh, Ohio State. But I mean, that program was built, you know, by Urban Meyer. No matter what you think about Urban Meyer, that culture was built by Urban Meyer and Ryan Day. Maybe, I don't know, he's uh, benefiting from the fruits of the labor. Now, uh, on the uh, look on the professional side, I'm looking right here in Tampa, right? Bruce Arians leaves and then, you know, Todd Bowles takes over and it's not exactly the seamless transition they would have hoped. So that's why I kind of make that assumption that. Like Oklahoma, for example, their softball team mm-hmm. developed a culture over the last 10 years that's really hard to replicate. And it's something that they can just continue on and on and keep going for years to come. That's that is what it seems like. Um, and, you know, sure enough, the head coach's uh, son is the assistant. So I could mm-hmm. I don't know when the head coach, Patty Yasso, will, will retire, but I wonder if the son will just continue on and, and take on um, that legacy. And, yeah, it's I, that that culture pro to college, there is such a distinct difference. And I do often wonder, you know, why buy-in just seems so different at that pro level to the college and how it does seem a lot easier uh, to mold that culture and just get it's, it almost is like uh, those games where it's like this blob that just absorbs <laughs> anything yeah. that comes in contact with. That's what I think of <laughs> when yeah. I think of those really strong culture programs. Well, Oklahoma's on that list. They probably probably have a lot of technology that we don't even know about. And again, look, there's no secret. There's a lot of technology that's out there, and there's a lot that could really get people overwhelmed. I understand that. But let's take away the price tag for a second. Mm-hmm. Which piece of technology is your favorite to use with your athletes just based off their comprehension and your comprehension of all this technology? Sure. Um, so funny enough, and you just made me think of it, and I mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it beforehand. This isn't necessarily specific to baseball, softball, but um, Florida State wins the national championship a few years ago. Coach gets interviewed, and they say, hey, 
what's been the biggest adjustment? And they said, it's the whoop band. And have you heard of the whoop band, the recovery band that you wear for sleep recovery and no, all that? No, I have not. The whoop um, band. I'm thinking, I, I thought of the song like an idiot. The whoop. There no, yeah. So this is actually, this is one of the bands, what it looks like. And it's, oh, I've seen them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so what it says is, you know, you go to sleep, it tells you how well you slept. Um, and basically what your recovery is because you could sleep for eight, nine, 10 hours, but you could have really, really poor recovery because you didn't get enough deep sleep or you woke up too many times not realizing it, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so what she said is that was such an instrumental part for her team, especially when this, once they got to playoffs, they got to see, okay, I'm really fatigued today. My, or, you know, you got to see the recovery of the whole team be like, all right, we can probably only practice for an hour and a half, two hours today, not this four hour practice I originally planned. And she kind of just used that as a guide. And so, and then they win the national championship. Right. So um, I think if I'm working with a, an athlete who is trying to get to that next level and is really pushing their body, monitoring recovery is huge because if you're not doing that, it really kind of doesn't matter what hitting equipment piece you have. But after that, if I'm going to pick my uh, my, well, favorite... can I ask you really quick though sure. about the whoop? I'm, I'm, I'm sure. fascinated by that because mm -hmm. I've seen I've seen people wear it. I didn't know what it was called because, it, and I sometimes just by just out of the corner of my eye, if I notice it, I think it's like one of the smart watches <laughs> that everybody has now, which I do not have a smart watch. <laughs> nice. I learned that I learned a long time ago from a friend who connected his iPad to his iPhone. He would, and you would hear the text that would come in and it would be the double ding. And it was mm -hmm. very, very obnoxious. <laughs> so I, I've learned I'm not going to connect anything, my phone to anything. And I'm certainly not going to connect it to an Apple watch. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, uh, the whoop thing. Mm -hmm. What Now you wear, it, it tells you, you wear it to sleep. So it mm -hmm. tells you what kind of sleep you have gotten the night before. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Uh, and how do you use that to to plan your day or plan an athlete's day based off the kind of sleep they had from the night before that's very that's very intriguing yeah so um so specifically with females and i can i can give that example so specifically with females uh our sleep is whether we like it or not is can be dictated based on where we are in our cycle throughout the month so different hormones get released at different times some are going to almost uh, like make you extremely sleepy, but your sleep quality is really poor. And then other times your energy levels are going to be much levels are going to be much higher and your sleep quality is going to be way better. So we can kind of manage that. Like if I'm really, really working in depth with an athlete on day to day stuff where they are supposed to have a heavy deadlift cycle and we're supposed to do really specific training with heavy bat, light bat stuff. And I look and they got a really crappy night's sleep the night before. And they are. What tells you what numbers tell you they had a crappy. Sure. Sleep. So they'll give like an overall, overall recovery score. Right. So like, let's say your recovery score is 65 and I'm like, man, eh, it's out of a hundred. It should mm -hmm. usually be a little bit better than that. So I can go in and look and there's something called heart rate variability, which is you can take that with a grain of salt. Um, it's typically you get like a, an average list, let's say for someone, but when it, when it varies a ton, all mm -hmm. of a sudden it's a sign like, okay, maybe are they getting sick? Um, is there something like, it, is it beyond, are they really, really stressed? Is it beyond the fact that they just didn't sleep well? And then when you actually go and look at the sleep you get, you can see the difference between REM and deep sleep. Um, yeah. So when I used to live in a house by myself, um, I would get eight, eight hours of sleep and I would spend less than 45 minutes of it in a deep sleep. It was almost like my body wasn't letting me get into a deep sleep, which so things like that are interesting. So you want to get to that closer to that three hour, let's say amount of REM and deep sleep to, to have both cognitive and, and uh, physical recovery. 
finals week, stressed out, um, putting yourself through, like maybe you're maxing out in the weight room and at your high school and I didn't know it. You know what I mean? There's certain variables where all of a sudden your body's going to be very taxed and not fully recovered. Um, and that's going to impact what we end up doing that day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before I cut you off that the question, the other question that you're <laughs> going to answer, mm-hmm. what is your favorite piece of technology? Um, it is the pocket radar right now. It okay. is. I know A lot of scouts simple. use that or starting to use that. I know it's simple. It is. So there's two different types. There's mm-hmm. one um, that is going to be a little less expensive and it measures slower um, miles per hour. So let's say you're trying to measure how hard someone throws a medicine ball. Um, it's perfect for that. If you're trying to do uh, faster miles per hour, that's a little bit more accurate. The you're going to want like it's called a, it's the it's the blue colored one. Um, and then there's a ball coach versus a smart coach. The smart coach Bluetooth's right to your phone so you can log it but you don't need that technically. Like you could set up the pocket radar and just film the athlete hitting in the background. And, you know, that's, I guess the cheaper way to do it. But the reason I like it so much is a lot of these pieces of technology are, are taking into account the swing, but I really want to know the outcome. And I want to know that you found your sweet spot because you could have a awesome miles per hour of your bat and really great bat quickness, but you can hit it off the end of your bat and have really crappy exit velocity. Yeah. So I want to know what your exit velocity is. Um, I think that combines, that tells me, okay, we're hitting consistent exit velocity in the right direction. That tells me right away. Okay. That then we have a lot of good things going on with our swing. Um, and it's also a good baseline. So if that athlete ever gets injured, we know a baseline to go back to, um, we can see where they're at during different phases of their lifting, um, making sure it doesn't get too low. They get a new bat. You can measure it again, measure it off T work, front toss, soft toss, live pitching. It's, it's a very simple thing. So I would say my favorite metric then is exit velocity. My favorite way to measure it is the pocket radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So through, through blast, through diamond kinetics, through pocket radar, through Oculus, talk about the, all of that in just a second as a coach, I've always been fascinated with your guys' ability to ex- extend the bandwidth of your learning capacity. How do you? How are you able, with all this new technology being almost just thrust into your face, how are you able to constantly evolve with this technology and learn this new technology? I think it's it's going to depend on different times of the year. Certainly during busy, busy seasons, if someone comes in with a piece of technology that I realize has a little bit of a learning curve for it to make sense, I usually... I know myself right now and I say, I'm going to put this on the back burner, even though there's like this itch and this burn that's like, well, what if it's really good? I could use it right right now. You know what I mean? But I do think it's going to take some time. Um, I've used both Diamond Kinetics and Blast. And to be honest, five years ago or four years ago, the only reason I like, I I think I wanted to pick one um, to just be consistent with it and get to really know one product. And I think the only reason I went with Blast is because there was one research article that came out that showed um that backed its a um backed up its um reliability this is my dog mm-hmm. moose he's usually not in here he's in here today uh, who's who <laughs> this is moose come here bud. moose he's been quiet all morning and of course right when we start the podcast he starts moving around <laughs> how old is moose is jacked moose is about 11 years old he is he's he's a he's a strong pup <laughs> what kind of what kind of uh, breed are we talking I've, you know what, he was six years old when I rescued him and he's a mix. So he is, he looks maybe Ridgeback or something, but. Isn't it is. uh, 
do people come up to you like just randomly when you're walking your dog and just want to pet the dog? Uh, yes. And I actually, yeah. especially cause I didn't have him for, like, he's a friendly dog and he's great, but I, there are six years of his life. I don't know. And he's an older dog. Like I, I just always tell people that it's probably not a good idea. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people who just walks up to random dogs and says pets them. And I get some, some people love it and other people give me a look like, what are you? But then when I I've noticed too, that uh, me be, you know, with the dog, I think that people are just, I assume that people absolutely love petting dogs and just love dogs. And there are some people legitimately that when I'm walking the dog that go to the other side of the street or they try to circle away because they just don't like dogs. And I, I just, I'm mm. under this assumption that everybody loves dogs for whatever reason. You I know, don't know. I, it's just I had such a, friendly like you can do anything to this but we got them at six months old growing up like and i had this perception too like oh, all dogs are great but yeah. it has been it has been a challenge this he, moose was in shelter care for three years um they don't know where he came from before that but this is he is not um i don't think he had the best first few years of his life and it, so it's like this is a little bit more of like a dog you have to be careful with and i've never I've never experienced that. So it's certainly, it's different. Well, if there's <laughs> any all. lesson that people should learn today is that not everybody loves dogs. Not everyone loves dogs right. and not all dogs love all humans all That's the true. time. Some some dogs are scared of humans. That's true. <laughs> so. I mean, there's, I'm not a big cat person. Hmm. I don't like, I don't like cats. I guess cat owners assume that everybody loves cats. I don't. <laughs> I don't really like cats at all. Dogs and cat people. <laughs> yes, there's a difference. There's a this difference, and there's a line that you draw right down the middle, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I don't ever understood the people, by the way, who have both dogs and cats. Mm. You know, you might. I mean, Jesus, you might as well just ruin your life at that point. You are looking at one. <laughs> well. I said you're looking at one. No, I, I'm, I know. When I, well, when I moved, when I went, moved in with Moose, my but, my fiance had uh, had a couple cats. All right, so then so we, I, don't know, I don't know how you do it. We okay, I, it took a know. long time. They don't they don't live in the same room. The cats so like, live outside most of the time. So so Moose and the cat in your house, they don't ever interact. No. Wow. Well, how do you, I mean, there has, by accident, you have to like bump into each other. Um, yeah. I mean, every now and then uh, we'll have some close calls, <laughs> but Moose yeah. is not, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know what Moose would do if he got to that cat. I don't think Moose is fast enough to get to the cat, but if he did, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> how much does Moose weigh? He doesn't look like he's a uh, he's fleet like of 80, foot. 80 pounds. Okay. Yeah. He's not exactly fleet of foot. No, no, he's older. Um. All right. Anyway, what I was yeah. what I what I was saying is yes. uh, the only reason I went with Blast over Diamond K Kinetics at the mm -hmm. time um, was just a couple of research articles that had come out that proved um, not that Diamond Kinetics wasn't as accurate, just that Blast was. It was starting to come up that Blast was accurate, and I was I just picked one, but I think they're both tremendous, and I and I don't think necessarily right now you can go wrong with one over another. If you want something that's going to track every swing you're taking. And if you're going to be diligent enough to track when you're doing a drill versus when you're hitting off the tee versus, you know, when you're doing something different, then it is, there's certainly a, a home for, for that. Um, I don't use that nearly as much with my hitters because in group settings, unless everybody has their own device, it just really slows the session down for me more than anything. Mm -hmm. But for the handful of hitters I do have, um, that that are interested in it, it, it works really well for them. Okay, COVID so that, it was amazing. 
Right. Oh, sure. 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 Okay. So then which tech do you think is the best for athletes between I'll just, I'll list off these because there's a lot mm. out there, but I'll list out, I'll list off the, I guess what I call like probably the big four mm. blast diamond kinetics, Oculus, which I love Oculus. You, you can't go wrong <laughs> with virtual reality. And you really can't. And then mm. pocket radar, which you, you've kind of you've talked well about. Pocket I, radar. Yeah, I really, I, I would, love I would, Oculus. I'm sorry. It's, I love the virtual reality part. <laughs> Okay, so if you're gonna, if you play like, so Oculus itself is is like a, a video game unit. It's like PlayStation or it's like Xbox, right? So you, if mm-hmm. you're gonna use it for other things, um, it's yeah, it's it's not that daunting of a of a price tag, right? Um, do I think it's gonna take you from being a bad hitter to a great hitter? No, I don't think any of these uh, technologies will do that. Will mm-hmm. it help us maybe fight for that to become a little bit better? Sure, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, what I like is I had, I've had hitters with such difficult time visualizing, mm-hmm. like to just get in the box and close their eyes and try to visualize a pitch coming at them. They've had such a difficult time with it. And so I've really liked that VR to just help hitters get to that point, help them visualize a little bit more and we'll have it as a station in the cage and they love it. They like get really competitive with it. And that to me is so important. So it's, it's served, it's, it has checked a lot of boxes for me. Um, has it improved everyone's bat speed? Maybe, maybe not, <laughs> but has it helped them in, in other ways? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So based off all this technology, how do you put together a player development plan from mm. the metrics and the information that this technology just spit out? So I like to use it as monitoring first, meaning I'm going to train this athlete as if I didn't have it but kind of just be aware of what these numbers are. And I'll do that for maybe one to two weeks uh, mm-hmm. and m- maybe longer, maybe not, but I'm just kind of looking and I'm saying, okay, uh, on days that they're lifting, this is what their exit below looks like on days that they're the day after they're lifting. This is what their numbers are looking like when they come off of a weekend of playing. I'm just trying to gain, gain an idea of like general understanding of kind of where they're at and what that helps me do is it's like, okay, is this confirming what I w- saw with my eyes as a coach? Um, mm-hmm. And then um, really, to be honest, like uh, it's, it's from there. It's, it's every now and then that I'll use bring technology into the cage. I, I try not to do it every single time because I don't want to be too f- fogged by it. Just like I don't right. want to become too arrogant to the point where I think I don't need another, uh, you know, it can be a third eye for a lot of coaches. So um, I do, I do bring it in every now and then, but for that first little bit, I'm kind of just monitoring and wondering, okay, where's this hitter at? Where's this hitter at? Is this in line with what I would be doing? Is the technology telling me anything different? Um, it, yeah. You know, it's amazing that hitter, um, that we talk about players being inundated too much with technology. It's amazing. Coaches aren't more, um, inundated. You mentioned the fog there. Mm. I don't know how you guys are, are able to sift through all of this information and still be able to coach. It seems like a lot of times in a lot of cases, it would be very overwhelming because there is so many metrics that are available to you, even if you know the systems inside and out. Mm-hmm. What I would, um, you know, cause I've thought about, I've thought about this a lot. Like I, I think the way I use technology is certainly uh, governed by the way my business runs. So I don't have a team that I work with consistently over long periods of time. Um, even individual athletes, they'll book their sessions, right? And I'll see them once every now and then. If I had, let's say, 12 to 15 girls that I was just focusing on, maybe I would pursue a blast and maybe I would 
I could so see myself probably saying, okay, based on the the lowest tier of uh, bat speed or exit velocity, they're going to be strictly on a bat speed like dominant program. And then people who are really struggling with consistency, like just their numbers are all over the place. Every swing looks different. Well, maybe I'm going to put them on a little bit more of like a re rewire program to get in tune with their mechanics a little bit more. Um, but then I would, I think in that same breath, I would take a step away and be like, would I have done that anyway? <laughs> would yeah. that have been something I would have been able to see? Anyway. And so, um, yeah, that's, a, that's, I think like where you just start to look a little bit, um, deeper. Um, when I went down with the pirates, um, they were, I was expecting them to be technology up the wall. Like, and they were like, yeah, well, sometimes. And I was like, Oh, like, so it was a very neat conversation where it wasn't the end all be all, um, when it comes to hitting, you know, that you have the metric that like, uh, pitchers will deliver faster speeds, better spin rates, and all these different things that will all of a sudden lead to better, uh, outcomes for them. And that's not, we haven't found that yet with hitting. That's all. Yeah. Well, be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram at Jim Tara, Twitter at Coach Cassie RB, Instagram at Coach underscore Cassie RB. Mm-hmm. What's it on the background? <laughs> Let me, hold on. Say there. Oh, it's, uh, you're the, that's the Instagram one on, yes. on your, under your name, at Coach underscore Cassie RB. Mm-hmm. I should put in parentheses, um, IG, Instagram. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, okay. So, um, with all of this technology mentioned, and this is a, this is like the question of the show for you. Okay. I want you to, I want you to get ready, cat lady. Okay. I'm just kidding, of course. Um, how can players in the Northeast, Northeast players, cold climate players, listen up now. This is for you. Softball and baseball. Those players, colder weather climates. How can they use this technology to level up against players who have the opportunity to play in warmer weather climates? Florida, California, Arizona, Nevada. Is Nevada, is that warm weather climate? Texas. Yeah. How can those players level up against the cold weather climate players, against the warmer weather uh, climate players who play all year round? And they actually get that in-game experience. Uh, I don't know if you ever can. I don't think a piece of technology is going to replace it. I think don't I tell next, Chad GPT that though. Uh, I, I think I think the next thing I'd say <laughs> is to like save money on technology and go fly to a camp. Yeah, <laughs> in the warmer right. weather climates. Climate go, go. That's right, um, just fly to save money, fly to Florida, and play. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, there's nothing that's going to replace playing in a live game. So, with that though being said, if we're going to say that these warmer weather athletes have the advantage because they are facing live pitching more than we are, yeah. maybe the Oculus is. Mm. The best thing, you know what I mean? Maybe we, maybe virtual reality is the way to go. <laughs> That's right. Um, there is got something there... right. Finally, thirty-two <laughs> episodes in, I finally got, got something right. I got the open right, and I got the I got the right technology. Oculus virtual now, reality. What, what I am curious about, and there's um, again, research is coming out to try to be like, okay, can we validate this? Can we say that like you hitting off an Oculus more often is going to lead to you seeing a curveball better come game time? Um, or is it really just going to improve our timing? Like, maybe is it just going to help us? Like I used to sit in front of a TV and watch pitchers and I would sit with my bat in my batter's hands and practice my timing. How different is that? Like, I, you know, 
So I wonder, I'm, I'm super intrigued by it. Um, I'm curious what the research is going to say in the future. Is it going to, again, is it going to make someone who can't hit live pitching also be able to hit live pitching? No. Is it maybe going to make you a little less rusty once you do start to play against live pitching? Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm just, I was just, you know, I'm just amazed that there's all this new technology and, and you can't figure out a true way to level up. They can't, people who make this technology, not the coaches, of course. I don't, I, but no, you're nothing replaces playing outside. There's just something to seeing live pitching. There really yeah. is as a hitter. Um, Even if you try to do it indoors, seeing live pitching, it's it different. Lighting's different. It right? is. It's different. Um, yeah, just be, and like, you know, and then you add, like, just let's say you play, get to play a game and you get three at bats with three different pressure situations. Even nobody on, nobody out is a different pressure situation that like, is not the same as me throwing you front toss. I could angle, I can do all the things that I'm trying so hard to do as a coach to emulate it. It just would not be the same. Yeah. All right. Well, email us Jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, whatever, email us Jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com. And again, reach out on social media, Twitter at Jim Tara, Instagram, same thing, Twitter at coach Cassie RB, Instagram at coach underscore Cassie RB. Reach out to us, ask us <laughs> questions and we will bring them, um, bring them to the table here. All right. Next week, episode 33, we're going to dissect what to do when you have mechanical flaws mm-hmm. as a hitter. And mm-hmm. basically coaching yourself, being able to coach yourself. Yes. A a new way of doing it is what we call feeding the mistake. So Okay, so that's the title of next week's show, yes. correct? Feeding Episode 33. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So who who coined that phrase, feeding the mistake? I heard it. Um, okay, I'm not gonna remember the researcher's name. I heard it at the Pirates Camp. Um, but I and I it, it came from a particular researcher. I will have it for next week though. Okay. Sure. I will. Make you, sure just I like you promised that you'd have that tweet for this I, week. Well, that was bookmark. Bookmark. I will. I will do that next time. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. I'm lecturing you about bookmarking. I want to make. I want to be completely clear with the audience. I just learned how to bookmark a tweet this week, so I am no better. I am no better. So next uh, week we're going to find out who came up with feeding the mistake. Yes. That term, and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about feeding the mistake as a hitter next week. All right. Any questions? Again, Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.